Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. It wasn't long before the people were disobeying the laws of God. In fact, they would start to worship idols, they would ignore the one true God, they would go against everything, and it wasn't very long while Moses is up there getting it, they're disobeying God already. We'll see that when we get there. And of course, later, both the north and the south of Israel are taken into captivity because they have disobeyed God. They lost the fear of God. You think that after all of the ways that God proved who he was to the people of Israel, that they'd have no problem obeying his commands. But as you read through the Old Testament, it becomes painfully clear that they were up and down in their devotion to God. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that it's different for Christ followers because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them to give them the ability to obey God. They do, however, have to want to be obedient to God's commands. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 12 as he begins his message, Our Race of Grace. chapter 12. What comes to your mind when you say the good old days? Depending on your age, this could be very interesting. The good old days. How many remember Buster Brown? Anybody remember Buster Brown? I live in a shoe. That's my dog, Teague, and he lives in there too. All right. Here's one, Pepsodent. Uh, This one, you wonder where the yellow, when you brush your teeth with, man, look at these older people here. Any of you remember when you picked up the phone, you heard somebody say number, please? Anybody remember that day? There's some of you, good. And you would say something like Randolph 43381. But the minute you picked up the phone, you heard somebody else laughing. It was what? A party line. Yeah. These young guys over here laughing like crazy at us, you know. Where's the Starbucks ad or the iPhone or whatever? Pastor Mark, I would really love to live in those old days in the Old Testament and experience what Abraham did and what Noah did and Moses. Man, I'd really, really like to have lived in those old days. Not me. And I think you're going to see, you better be very glad you're living today in the days of grace. Now, remember in Hebrews, the writer is talking to these Jewish people who have converted from Judaism to Christianity. They're under intense persecution. 
Some of them are thinking of leaving Christianity, grace. And they're toying with the idea of going back to the good old days. The good old days when they were under the law. So the writer to the Hebrews in these few verses, 18 through 29, we kind of have this beautiful picture from two peaks, two different peaks, Mount Sinai. And as you think about Mount Sinai and what's happening, we're going to talk about the law in that. And then we're going to talk about another peak when we get close to it. And you're going to see it's very different. Actually, the peak, the second peak, isn't even here on earth. It's actually going to be in heaven. It's going to be a contrast between the giving of the law, the old covenant, and the new covenant. And the writer is going to say to these people, you don't want to go back under the law. You don't want to go back. And let me remind you why. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. The writer says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. The writer says to these Jewish people, Well, you know about these days I'm talking about. You remember being taught what it was like when the law was given. People were afraid of God. Even Moses trembled in fear. So don't even think about going back to the old days. Why would you even think about going back under the law? What is wrong with you? So to remind them, he uses these illustrations just in these four verses. But I think it's good for us to go back into the Old Testament, read this little sequence, and and, uh, remind ourselves why it's way better to be today here under grace than the old days under the law. So keep your finger. We'll be right back to Hebrews 12 and go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 19. Now, as we go there, remember, these were the days when the law was getting ready to be given. We'll pick this up later and do a little more study on it, but just good for you to remember kind of what it was like. Now, when we go there, let me just remind you of something. Remember, initially, the Jewish people coming out of 400 years of bondage, they really don't have a relationship with God. They know about God. Moses is the only one that has somewhat of a personal relationship with God because obviously God came to him, you remember, in the desert and the burning bush. But the people are kind of trying to get their hands around who this God is that is the one true God of their ancestors. So it's very unlike today when you and I have a personal relationship with God. And so when we go back to the Old Testament, you can see that the people in general were fearful. We begin at verse 10. Exodus 19, verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, 
Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes. And be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Verse 12, put limits. Just think of that word, God and limits. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. How'd you like to invite your friends? Come and meet my God. Come to the mountain. Now don't touch the mountain. Well, what happens if I touch the mountain? You're dead. How many think you'd have lots of people want to come to the mountain? Way different than inviting the church today, correct? He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. In other words, don't touch him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. Now, after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, They're getting ready to meet God, holiness. It was external, obviously, in those days. Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. It's like we have in 1 Corinthians 7. Sometimes when husband and wife want to do some special things with God, you put aside the sexual to concentrate on God. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire, and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. So Moses said to the people, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and tell Aaron and bring Aaron with you. But the priests and people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Now, after you read that, who would want to go back to the good old days? Is there anybody in this room who'd like to go, man, Pastor Mark, I'm still ready to go back there. No, not really. God's basically unapproachable. When God speaks, there's fear. There's no personal relationship at all. So the mountain's fenced off. There's no trespassing everywhere. If you disobey, it's not like, well, God, forgive me of my sins. If you disobey, you're killed. There was thunder, lightning, the mountain's on fire. It was an awesome time because the tablets, the giving of the law was coming. And God, in every way possible, said this to the people initially, stay away. Don't come to me. I'm holy, and you're not. And so, as you think about this, the demands of the law brought fear. It brought people to their knees. They would call out 
to God as we go through the Old Testament for mercy. The law simply brought fear to the people. So, four keys I'm going to give you. Number one, what's the writer trying to say to these Jewish people? Well, he says, you don't live, though, in those days. That's not the mountain we've come to. So, number one, there's no need to fear. And now he's going to talk to him in a moment. Please enjoy God's grace. See, there was no grace under the law. Please enjoy God's grace. Now, we know that the law was given to show man that he couldn't be good enough. And, of course, eventually to drive man to Jesus Christ. But you would think with this fear, it would bring obedience, at least forced obedience. But it wasn't long before the people were disobeying the laws of God. In fact, they would start to worship idols. They would ignore the one true God. They would go against everything. And it wasn't very long while Moses is up there getting it. They're disobeying God already. We'll see that when we get there. And of course, later, both the north and the south of Israel are taken into captivity because they have disobeyed God. They lost the fear of God. And of course, with that came the losing of the wisdom that was necessary. So the law was temporary. It would drive people to the solution. The solution was a person, Jesus Christ. Now back to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at the first part of verse 18. You have not come to that mountain. So Paul says, this isn't where we meet God today. We're not under the Old Testament. We didn't come to that mountain, that Mount Sinai. Well, what mountain did they come to? Go down to verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city, notice, of the living God. So God is speaking to them from another mountain, another mountain peak. Now, Mount Zion, just this hill outside the walls of the old city, in biblical days, it was probably known as the Temple Mount area. But this Mount Zion is not speaking of Jerusalem on earth. It's a heavenly one. As you know, there is this heavenly temple pictured in eternity when we get there. So the Mount Zion spoken of here. Actually, the book of Revelation calls it the new Jerusalem. It's not the Jerusalem that we know here. It's a picture in heaven. Now, this Jerusalem was what the patriarchs had always looked to. You remember Hebrews 11.10? For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder and God. Which city was he looking for? Not Jerusalem. He's looking for the heavenly Jerusalem. So the writer says, God is bringing you to his presence, not at Mount Sinai, but to the presence of God. And where is he? He's in the new Jerusalem. He's on the throne. So basically what the writer says, why would you even want to go back? You don't want to go back to there. It's way better. Remember, the whole key to the book of Hebrews is better. Better, better. What they had now is way better. 
Some of you that have computers, when I spoke about a while ago on the old days, we would give cassette tapes out. And you'd have to have those cassette tapes and start and stop. If you left them in their car and they're a little hot, what happened to them? They broke. You had to spin them again, whatever. You had to flip the side over if you didn't have the thing. Today, you just pop your iPod in. There's 25 sermons you've got. You listen to them, start, stop, anywhere you want. Way better. It's just better. Same exact thing here. Spiritually, don't go back. Don't even think about I know it's difficult, but don't think about going back under the law. So the contrast is Mount Sinai. Here's the mountain peak. Mount Sinai represented the law. What was there? Fear, terror. Can't do it. No grace. Here's Mount Zion. What's it picture? Grace, a place of love, forgiveness. Take your choice. How many would choose Mount Zion? How many have no idea what I'm even talking about? (laughs) Let's go through it again. You say, Pastor Mark, this has no application to me at all. Really? Well, would you like to be back under the law? Those of you that didn't pay any attention probably would have been zapped already by God. (laughs) Been over with. You're thinking of a burger afterward or something. You wouldn't get a chance to eat it. You're already Krispy Kremes. (laughs) So let me ask again now. Okay? Here we go. Two mountain peaks. They're, They're right in front of us. Mount Sinai, where there's the law, where there's fear, where there's trembling, where there's death, where you can't ever please God, you can't be good enough, you don't have a personal relationship with God. Or Mount Zion, where there's grace and mercy, God's approachable, He forgives you. Of all your sins, which mountain would you take? Zion. Good. Praise God. God, they they said it. So we're under grace. All right, good. Now, remember, this is a picture of the old covenant and the new covenant. How did the new covenant get established? I think it's interesting for us. Take a look at this, and you know this. This is Paul receiving the instructions about communion. Now, before I read this, remember what we just read in Exodus. People are ready to get the the covenant, the law. They're ready to get it. They have to get cleaned up. They have to be holy and no sexual relations. Stay away. Don't come. Wait until I tell you. No personal involvement with God at all. Moses, Aaron can go this far. Moses here. No personal involvement. Now, just before, on the night Jesus is betrayed, he's with his disciples in the upper room. They're celebrating the Passover. He's there, but before they celebrate it, what does he do to the disciples' feet? He washes them. I want you to just get a picture in your mind. Fear, stay away, can't be pleasing. There's no personal thing with a God. Here's Jesus. Washing the disciples' feet. What a different picture. Now why? Because this is the new covenant. Not the old. I don't want to go back to the old. I want the new. I want the new covenant. Here it goes. Paul says, For I pass unto you, 1 Corinthians 11, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. Bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. 
In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the, say it with me, the new covenant. So this is the new covenant, not the old. This is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So understand, just before Jesus goes to the cross, he says to them, we're moving from the old to the new. Now, they'd have a hard time understanding that. But they're moving from the old to the new. God would now be approachable. Not with fear, you'll see, but still awe, but not fear. Now, look at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So what's happening in heaven? What's We know what happens in heaven. There's lots of praise. There's lots of worship. When we get to heaven, we know that there's going to be angels there. None of them are named Emma. There's going to be lots of angels. And it's going to be a beautiful thing because they're worshiping God. Now, why does the writer say, let's take a look at heaven? Well, for two reasons. One, while I'm on earth... Spiritually, I'm already in heaven. If you're a Christ follower, positionally, Ephesians tells us, you're already seated in heaven. So God already sees me there. But I'm not there, I'm here. Well, how do I approach God? Does he have a big sign that says, fenced off, no approaching? No, it's exactly what? Exactly the opposite. Way different than the old doesn't say stay away. He says come. Remember this verse? We studied New King James, Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore, say it with me, come boldly to the throne of the law. Is there a difference? There's a huge difference. Come to the throne of grace that we may receive, obtain, mercy, and find grace in our time of need. Notice, it's not a throne of condemnation. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne that says you can't come. You haven't been good enough. You'll never be good enough. Don't try to approach me. It's a throne of grace. I'm encouraged to come boldly and approach my heavenly Father. How do I approach him? Through the mediator. Jesus Christ. We don't approach God directly. There is one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came. That's what Jesus was saying on that night. He says, I'm going. I'm going to institute the new covenant. It's based on my blood, not the blood of an animal again in the Old Testament. That was fine for the Old Testament. It's not the Old Testament. It's on my blood. And because of this, you're going to be able to approach God directly through me. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the difference between obeying the law of Moses and grace under Jesus. 
you learn that the Hebrews were afraid on their first introduction to God. There was good reason. He was not to be approached by any person unless God called to them. This is way different than grace under Jesus, which allows access to God at any time. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Our Race of Grace. He'll keep on talking about how God, under the law of Moses, could not be approached by the common man or woman. You'll learn about two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Pastor Mark will teach about their significance for the Christ follower and your race to God's kingdom. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series in Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a herd.